Hello, and welcome to Lady Justice, Women of the Court podcast. In this episode, the Lady Justices will discuss their work and home organization preferences. Even small things like organization can help improve the legal profession's culture to support the well-being of lawyers and judges. Planning an organization can significantly impact being effective and productive in the legal profession, which can have a lot to do with the well-being of the law student, lawyer, judges, and their loved ones. Today, the Lady Justices will discuss how they plan and stay organized so that they can spend their time on the things that matter most. They also discuss how they manage their demanding work schedules, how they have evolved their schedule organization over time and with new technology, what works and doesn't work, and how to balance work and home life. Finally, the lightning round will focus on the unique ways the Lady Justices organize their pantries, closets, and even their bookshelves. That's coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome to Lady Justice Women of the Court. I'm Justice Beth Walker of the Supreme Court of Appeals of West Virginia, and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm joined today, as always, by my friends, Chief Justice Bridget McCormick of Michigan and Arkansas Justice Rhonda Wood. As Bridget and Rhonda both know, because I talk about it a lot, One of the things I'm passionate about is changing the culture of our legal profession to support well-being of lawyers and judges. In fact, haven't heard it yet. We did a whole whole podcast about that exact topic a year ago. It's episode eight. If you want to go back, it's called A Path to Well-Being and Civility. And if you're listening now and you're interested, please go back and check it out. But as a quick review, the main idea of what is now called the lawyer well-being movement is that a healthy lawyer or judge or law student is one who's competent and able to meet her ethical and professional responsibilities to her clients. For those who might be struggling, our profession needs to be more open, in my opinion, and knowledgeable about the need for lawyers or judges to get help with mental or physical challenges before they become a crisis. Every state, including our three states, has a group called the Lawyer Assistance Program or the Judges and Lawyers Assistance Program, or sometimes Lawyers Helping Lawyers. And those groups provide confidential support to lawyers and judges and law students who might be struggling. If you or a lawyer or judge you care about needs help, please don't hesitate to reach out to your state program. Now, with that little commercial uh, out of the way, we're going to chat about a topic today that can have a huge impact on being effective and productive in your job, which ultimately can have a lot to do with your well-being. There's nothing worse than feeling overwhelmed, feeling like you have way more to do than you can possibly accomplish in the time you have deadline or a commitment to a family member, a colleague, a client, or of course the worst to a court. That's the kind of stuff you have nightmares about. So today we're going to talk about how we stay on top of the things we need to do, not to mention the things we want to do. And we are probably going to talk about the difference between those two things, how we manage all the electronic information coming in on email. And of course, we're all on social media, so we're all watching things on social media, how we keep to-do lists or not, whether we use an electronic calendar. Yes, in the spirit of spring cleaning and new beginnings, we're talking about planning and staying organized, minus at least initially the plastic containers and rainbow colored pantries, although we may talk about that at the end. Even more, we'll talk about how we try to plan our days and weeks and months so that we're spending our time on the things that matter most to us. So to start, good morning, friends, let's talk about calendars. 
for a little history and probably making us feel a little old, but it'll be fun anyway, I think. Do you remember the first planner or calendar you used after graduating from law school? And how do you keep a calendar now, paper or electronic or something else? Bridget, you start. Well, first of all, it's great to see you both. And I'm actually really looking forward to this episode because I'm sure I'm going to get some good ideas that I'm going to take with me after we finish. I definitely remember my paper black bound calendar that I used when I was a brand new lawyer. My first job out of law school, which we've talked about before, was I was a legal aid lawyer. So I was in court every single day and had a lot of cases. And I would have to have that calendar open all the time and was handwriting in it. And I remember thinking it worked just fine. It feels hard to imagine at this point now that I now use a Google calendar, which is it's a little bit imperfect because our court uses an Outlook calendar. So I get Outlook invitations and it doesn't always sync perfectly well with the Google calendar, although sometimes it does. It sort of depends on what what device you're working on, um, how well it syncs. But I because my personal life calendars were on Google, I wanted my staff to use that as well so I could see everything in one place. But I'll probably learn from you guys that there's a way I can integrate um, Outlook and Google. I don't know. Right now, I have lots of different versions of my Google calendar, some that all of my staff can see, some that just my assistant and my senior clerk can see, some that my husband can see, some that my husband's assistant can see. I at least get to see them all in one place. Um, So that's how I do it. What about you, Rhonda? I'm the same way. I remember uh, that my first calendar, I remember that I thought I made it in the legal profession when I could afford and bought my Franklin calendar, but that was just the biggest deal um, that when I, you know, invest in the Franklin calendar and then every year you got, you know, the new updates that you could mold into it. It was just such a, you know, coming of age moment in life, but it feels so old now. And I, I think they still have them. I don't know. But yeah, so I used that, um, and then I used um, a BlackBerry. I was such a BlackBerry user, and it just broke my heart when Blackberries went away. I still cry a little bit when I see movies and I see people using BlackBerry in the old movies. I have just sort of a heart, you know, pounding moment of wishing I could get my BlackBerry back. But I use Outlook primarily, and so everything pretty much is on that. And then, other than that, anything is on my iPhone calendar. And then because my husband is able to share with that family sharing, he can see everything on that. But otherwise, everything is on Outlook. Well, I guess we all started in one of those black spiral bound calendar date. I don't even remember what it was called. It was a big eight and a half by 11 black book and I carried it everywhere. And I do remember my getting a Franken planner and you could store each year in a special box with the with the year on the front and it was so gratifying when you put the year away and you started your new ones and they maybe had a new design but I went to an electronic calendar when Palm Pilots came out um, going back even further than Blackberries. I did love, I tried to do a search once to see when Palm Pilots came out and I could never come up with the definitive year, but currently I have an Outlook calendar at work and a personal Google calendar. And I have to say, I'm a little inspired, Bridget, because it does require, I use, you know, my iDevices, which we'll talk about, but the, I use the mail app. And so I can see both of the, or the calendar app, and I can see both of those things together on one calendar. Although I have to kind of duplicate because they, so now I have to check into whether Outlook is going to sync with my Google calendar. This could change my life. This, this conversation today could change my life. 
because I spend a lot of time, I manage my own calendar and I'm, you guys probably do that to some degree. You know, I don't currently have an assistant. I'm trying to figure out what I need an assistant for because everything's sort of, it's just tricky, I think, um, because I'm kind of self-sufficient and I hate to just have somebody who's there in case I need them. So I need to get better at it. And I'm sure before I'm chief justice again in 2023, next year, we'll learn even more from you all and figure this out. But for today, at least I'm going to walk away with this. How do I sync Outlook and Google together? Because that could be awesome. Next, let's talk about portable electronic devices, if that's the, the general, the generic term. Do you have a court phone, a personal phone, both? But before we start, let me give a disclaimer that will qualify for the rest of the episode since we're bound by our judicial responsibilities. We're going to talk about tools that we use, and some of those tools might be commercially available, and they might be you know things that people make money doing. First of all, we don't formally endorse as a podcast or as individuals, any of those tools. So I'll save my friends from having to say this themselves. And of course, we're not making any money from any of this. We just hope that sharing a little bit about what we do, maybe I'll give some folks some ideas aside from our personal interests and learning from each other. So now that the disclaimer is out of the way, I'll start out and I use a personal iPhone right now, iPhone 12 Pro Max. I went to the big one, which I really like because it's just easier to read. I could have a court paid for phone. I don't right now. And so I think one phone is enough of me for me to keep track of. And as I already said, I'm having enough trouble keeping track of more, more than one calendar. So I think more than one phone would be kind of tricky, but there's a lot of, you have to think about, and I try to manage that risk with using personal communications and core communications on one device. So um, I know that that is out there, but at this moment, it doesn't scare me enough to um, have two devices. Um, so that's where I am on portable electronic devices. How about you, Rhonda? Yeah, so I use... I have an iPhone 13, the max. So it's, it's massive. <laughs> and so it's really big. And I, same thing. I just use a personal phone. I never used a work phone. I guess I'm in year 16 finishing. There's lots of judges that have used, have work phones and I've never gone down that rabbit hole um, and had a work phone number. Um, I've seen lots of them be, have their work calls FOIA'd and <laughs> And their the numbers FOIA'd and when that's happened to me and there's, it's nice to just never, there is no, <laughs> you know, work number and that sort of thing. So there's no issue. I, the issue I am careful about is I have a work iPad and a personal iPad and I'm very diligent about being careful about not using that work iPad for anything other than it's really sort of, it operates as my third or fourth screen. When I'm reading cases, it's a great tool to have as an extra screen for having the either Westlaw up or, you know, not having to have a third, you know, a fourth screen to search and using it for that capability. But when I travel, I'm usually using my personal iPad. That way I can do personal things on it as well. But other than that, how about you, Bridget? Well, I am just like you guys. I have an iPhone, although I'm not like you guys in that I really need to update it. I think mine is still the eight. Oh, um, no, you it, do. Yeah, it's large, though. I if if the, only for the camera, I have to say. It, it's yeah, worth it. That, that's probably a really good point because I feel like 
I like to take photos, but I, it's, the, the camera is definitely not as good as some of the, the updated phones, but it keeps working. And so I, I've never been motivated to replace it, you know, if it's, uh, but I, that might be in the cards uh, this year. I also could have a court iPhone, but haven't wanted to try and manage two for the reasons you all have already said. So I'm still managing with one. I, some of my colleagues do have two and swear by it. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing out, but for me, having one has worked. When I travel, I'm traveling with an iPad, an iPhone, and a laptop. And I just do different things on different devices. Phone, I'm, I don't even really like to email on my phone. I like a keyboard if I'm emailing. So I, I do more email on my iPad, but I also don't edit on iPad. I do have, I do have the ability to do it. I have Microsoft 360, so I can edit on my iPad, but I find it so much clunkier than on my laptop. So I kind of use each device for different things that I do, which means I'm almost always carrying three devices when I go places. So even sometimes when we, my husband and I go out to eat or have a glass of wine and and bring our work with us. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's in our conversation today, but so last night we went to have a glass of wine and a bite to eat and we both had work to do. So I bring a laptop an iPad and an iPhone, which the bartender finds a little odd, but anyway. Yeah, well, we support little, you. Well, I, I'll say that's a little, that's a little crazy to me, Bridget. I'll just, so <laughs> Um, I know you love me, so you can call me crazy. No, I, I, I do. I, I just, I, I don't think I would, I can't imagine like physically, I feel like I carry on a plane so much stuff that I can't imagine carrying both those on. So I usually yeah. will take either the iPad or I have a laptop, but I take a Microsoft Surface with me usually when I travel um, because I get the benefit of the little touch screen, but then I have a little, you know, light keyboard that I can use if I need the keyboard. Well, I'm going to defend you, Bridget, because <laughs> I do pretty much go anywhere with my little work computer, which right now is a Surface Pro, you know, just yeah. like you have, Rhonda, yeah. that's, that combines the functionality of a laptop yeah. with, you know, sort of portability of an iPad. But I also have my personal iPad, which I use yeah. as, quote, second screen, right. if I'm doing it, which seems silly and, but that's just, it works for me. And so I'm actually traveling right now. So I have my work Surface Pro and I'm podcasting with my iPad and I have my phone. So it's yeah. pretty much all of it all the time. So I think there's definitely more than one way to do this. Okay. So next let's talk. We, we got into it just a tiny bit. Well, let's talk some more about email. <laughs> this is, this is a topic, particularly when you start talking about size of inboxes and all of that, that can engender some vigorous discussion, but we're all old enough to remember when work email was just getting started. And since then, we've all had different jobs, and I imagine all of those different jobs involve varying amounts of email. So here's my question. How do you manage your email currently? Do you have assistance? Do you read it once or twice a day only, as some experts suggest? You should cordon off moments for your email and not just deal with it all day long. How quickly do you respond to email? Do you have rules about that? Whatever you want to talk about on email. Bridget, I'll let you start on this one. So I really feel like I could use some better habits and discipline about email. I'm, I really, I am definitely too much of a slave to my inboxes. And I have three, I have a, my personal Gmail, 
that actually doesn't, I don't feel the need to look at that very often. I mean, I look at it daily, but I don't feel like I have to have it up all the time. Work email is, is a huge issue because our, my court uses email as our means of circulating draft opinions, circulating memos on conference cases. It's how we communicate with one another. And I think because when it was first introduced, it was a great tool for, for communicating more efficiently and more effectively. But it definitely takes over, right? It, it, it definitely takes over and becomes a distraction. But I have to confess, I have it up all the time. I respond to my own emails. I have a second work email address for communications courtwide. I mean, and I mean statewide courtwide. And that other staff members have access to and man and watch. So I don't, at least I'm not watching two court emails all the time. But my main court email, I am focusing on it, wait, or maybe I'm not, I don't know. It, it, there is incoming all day that feels important for me to know about and sometimes respond to pretty promptly. So I have it up all the time and I want you guys to tell me how to, how to do better here. I don't know, what do you do, Rhonda? Yeah, I don't have an answer with that. So same thing, I have a personal email. I try to just look at end of day, sort of whenever I'm getting ready to shut off that I try to go through I can't stand any unread messages in my inbox. It's a, it's a personality flaw. So the personal email, I look at end of the day and clear all that out and everything gets put in its right folder. It's like putting your, cleaning your desk off. So that gets done. The work email, it's always up and I'm always dealing with it and handling it and everything gets read and either responded to right away or it's put in a folder or a task or a to-do something it's handled pretty much immediately if there are anything court sort of timely sensitive there are times that I walk away to do like I have to go read for three or four hours um, that I'm going to really focus on a case that I have that sort of scheduled on my calendar and my staff know that and they know my responsiveness to motions that if an emergency motion comes in, my staff are on that and they know if I don't respond in you know, 15 minutes, they know to text me and reach out and call me because they meet, that means I'm away from my email, like doing focused reading and then they'll reach out to me. But otherwise, yeah, it's up all day. So <laughs> it's just a continuum. What about you, Beth? Personally, I'm kind of like you, Rhonda, you know, my Gmail, I you know, I look at it at the end of the day, or if I'm, if something's going on that I'm expecting something, I might check it in the middle of the day just to see. But, you know, right before I became a judge, of course, I was in private practice, in-house practice, and email had become very much kind of a thing, you know, that you could distinguish yourself with client service. If, you know, obviously when you're a private law lawyer, you're, you want clients to be able to depend on you. So I was pretty good at 24 hour or usually 12 hour turnarounds on emails. I mean, that was, so I was in the habit of managing email pretty aggressively, but I do recognize the problem with that is of course now in public service, your responsibilities are a little different. It's, you know, I'm not required, you know, I'm not going to enhance my, I might a little people like that they hear from me, but you know, it's not like a marketing thing for me to, you know, respond to emails quickly, but I have kind of a weird habit that I've developed over time, which is it makes me nervous. I'm not going to say anxious, but 
almost anxious if I can't see all the emails on the screen, however many hold it. You know, so currently that's 17 on my Outlook screen on my Surface Pro. So if I have more than 17, I'm like, I got to clean this out. It's like leaving at night and cleaning off your desk. And so I have way too many Outlook file folders and I try really hard. This is, but it really helps. I try to only look at an email once. I mean, just look at it and either respond to it right away, which does take more time, but then it's done and it's gone and it's off the list. And I don't know if that's the right way to do it, but that's how I sort of have developed my habits. I don't copy myself on emails. I know a lot of people do that. I just rely on sent emails for goodness sakes. I don't like return receipts. I don't know why they kind of, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll read the email. I'll respond to it if I need to. That's kind of another quirk, but that's my, I don't know if that helped at all, Bridget. No, I don't. I mean, I'm not sure what the answers are. I actually read this, you know, Cal Newport's book, A World Without Email. I think it's reimagining work in the age of communication overload. And it's a great read and it will, but it, it will convince you that we have become less efficient, less effective because of the kind of instant messaging, texting, email, like he calls it the hyperactive hive mind. And humans are just not good at multitasking. And we have very few minutes in our days now where we can focus on deep work. It's a great read in, in that you will be very convinced that you want to do something, but I read it, you know, last summer and still haven't done something. So I don't know what that says about me. It says I'm a little broken, but I have a lot of folders. I guess I could try to be better about getting things into folders. Well, and I, I, I have tried periodically, you know, you hear about, you should only do it like set aside times, like do it first thing in the morning and then maybe after lunch and set aside dedicated times to look at emails. And that, I guess it's know your personality that feels more overwhelming to me um, because then I open it and there's so many there. And then it's like, okay, now it's taking me, you know, an hour straight Versus I feel like when I just am seeing them through the day, I'm sort of handling them real quick. Yeah, it just feels simpler. So it's kind of a personality thing too, is can you handle things quickly and efficiently? Is that for you or do you need that dedicated time? And now for the question that actually inspired me to do today's topic for our podcast. Um, a couple of months ago, all the reasons that we've talked about so far today, I decided to reevaluate how I keep track of what I'm doing. I was using a kind of random combination of my Outlook inbox, which I already told you I keep really small and I kind of use it as a to-do list, electronic calendar, and then just sort of a menagerie of lists and written down things. And I wasn't quite to like post-it notes, but I was getting close to that, that approach, which I know can work, but for me, I needed to be able to have a little bit more organized, deliberate kind of what I'm going to do every day. Um, and while I felt like I was doing the things I needed to do in a timely way, um, I just felt a little disjointed. And so I started to look into this, Rhonda, I actually looked to see if they still made Franklin planners, which they do. They're Franklin Covey, I think now. They, years ago, I think they merged with the Stephen Covey folks, uh, Seven Habits. Um, so they are still out there. Um, but then I started looking at apps and there's a dizzying array of personal organization apps. And I consider myself pretty electronic set. I mean, not, you know, not like 
some, but I'm pretty, and they, it just seemed like it was going to create more work rather than less because they had intricate structures of how to categorize your to-do list. And I looked at one called Toodledoo that just is crazy. It looked like it would be great if you had an hour every day to sort of do this. And so anyway, I got uh, quickly overwhelmed by my effort to stop being overwhelmed, which seems like a lot. So what did I do? I asked my friends, Rhonda and Bridget for advice. I sent an email and I explained all this. And while their answer, their responses to me were different, it was really cool how aligned they were and that, that they had sort of been consciously developing intentional ways to do this. Um, so the question is, how do you keep track of the things you need to do and the things you want to do and stay organized overall? Rhonda, I'll let you start this one. Well, so I think first and foremost, I still haven't figured it out. And so it's, it's you know, a continuum. I'm obsessed with my outlook and my calendar and my tasks. And so what I have started doing is sort of at the beginning of every term, I sit down and our court has scheduled dates of motion conferences, case conferences. I start with that and then I sort of build in and the home edit people would love me because it's color coded. So I build in first in red, anything where the court is conferencing and voting in those due dates. And then I go through and I build in blocks of time deliberately of this is when I'm going to read for those motions and I schedule that this is going to I'm going to read for the cases based on I know when we get them and so I build in that schedule all in different color coded and so I build in the schedule around that and then from there I know that this is when I can build in other sort of personal things and speaking events and it's all color coded. And so it's like this beautiful rainbow when I open my calendar in the morning. And then I use just the task system in Microsoft. And so um, any sort of when we talk about we open those emails, anything I can't handle immediately, I immediately create a task. And if it's something that I can't do that one of my law clerks or my assistant needs to do, I sign it out. Um, or if it's something that I need a question answered before I can do it, I create a task, I assign it to someone with a date, and it flows into Microsoft and it's set on my calendar. And so then that way every day I can open up and see here's my tasks of things to do today. And if there's something I've thought of, you know, through the weekend or at night, I'll add them onto that task. And sometimes I just need to create tasks in the morning that I know I'm going to accomplish so I can check something off and feel good about myself that day. And it's like, you know, if I have to add that I'm going to go to Walgreens and get, you know, something picked up that I know that I'm going to make sure I'm going to check a box today. So anyway, I just sort of do that. And that's how I, I sort of do that. And then, you know, the next term, I'll look at it and figure out that that what I kind of scheduled didn't work or whatnot, how I'd sort of planned and mapped that those days of the weeks I'd planned for reading days didn't work and I have to sort of reevaluate it um, or what I'd sort of planned to work, work out never happened. <laughs> so that's my system. Bridget, what about you? Sorry, I, I'm like you, Beth, I, 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 I spent a lot of time looking at and even trying a number of those apps. I, I bought a few of them. I probably still am paying subscription prices for them and I should figure that out and cancel them. And for a while, I just used the 
sort of tasks function in my Google calendar and just kept a running list that I could always look at. I always had a hard time figuring out how to keep track of my personal to-do list versus my work to-do list versus when the kids were still at home, the things I had to do for the kids, you know, they were in like, I guess those are personal, but I don't know. They all felt like kind of different and it never was going well. Last January, I decided to start trying the bullet journal method, which is this method, a designer put together. That's it's a, it's an actual physical journal and a process for kind of keeping track of things that you have to do each day, things that you're trying to get done that week, things that you're trying to get done that month, and even things that you're going to get done throughout the year. So that you, you sort of like have these ongoing to-do lists, as well as all in one place, all in this one journal, other lists, shopping lists, um, things that you want to remember to go back to, I, like articles or media or music or uh, movies that I like somebody mentions to me and I'm like, well, am I going to text that to myself or nope, I'm going to put it in that list in my journal. And at the front of the journal, there's an index for all of those things. And it's actually been working out pretty well for me because I'm, I don't know, what is this now? Where are we? April? I'm, you know, a year and three months, four months into it, and I'm still using it um, on my second actual full journal now. And I also now use it as the same place I take notes on different things if I'm planning for a presentation or, um, and then I just put it in the index and that's where the, that's where the notes are. You'll see online people use this method and they're way more artistic. They use multicolored pens and they're like creative and I'm not that creative. So my bullet journal doesn't look nearly as cool as some people's do, but it's working for me for now. And I literally have all of it together, work, personal, you name it, all in one place. And that part of it I, maybe is what's working for me the most, but I'm sure I can learn from you. What, how, how's it going for you, Beth? So I took all that in, which you all kind of shared with me on email. And I had used my to-do list or used Outlook in the past in private practice. Um, so I was sort of thinking, well, I could go back to that. But the one thing that tipped me into trying the bullet journal, which I've been doing since March 1, is, uh, and I think I mentioned it's in our New Year's episode or something, one of the little morning habits I've started is I write for five minutes in a journal in the morning. So I'm already carrying around a little booklet of, you know, that I'm writing in every morning. And I thought, well, maybe I'll try the bullet journal because then I can have a spot where I put those things. And then I can have the other, you know, the, so I read the book. I actually listened to it on Audible. It's a little overwhelming at first. And then you go on Instagram and there are these, these artist people. I mean, I, there's a whole journaling culture out there that I didn't really know was out there. And it's kind of cool because they're very artistic and everything's pretty. Mine is not pretty. My bullet journal does have, and I'm showing you the sticker that Rhonda gave me, the Lady Justice sticker. I put it on the front because it brings me joy to look at the Lady Justice sticker. When I turn to my bullet journal, I think the sticker was intended for like your car, but I like it on my journal. So I am a fan. Going back to what you were talking about, Bridget, in terms of all of this input of electronic, um, I love it because, you know, you can get what you need wherever you are. And I'm a paperless office like you all are or in some way, you know, in some degree. But there is something about having something on paper that I can just have and I don't have to worry about where it is. I don't mind carrying it around. So you know, now I'm in, I'm in the second month. And of course, at the end of every week, kind of evaluate what's going to happen this next week. 
the end of the month, you put your, you know, kind of put your next month together. And I like that process. And that's something I wasn't deliberately doing other than maybe like at the end of the year, or maybe at the start of a term, like Rhonda was talking about. So report early on, I am a fan of the bullet journal, but I'm not sure. I think there's probably some after I do it for a while, Bridget and I probably ought to have, do notes or maybe the three of us could get back on Zoom and compare because um, I definitely think there are best practices, but that's where I am. Yeah, I can't wait to check in with you in a few more months and figure out like what you've, what you've liked most about it and what helps you most so that I can improve my bullet journaling, but, but it, it has helped me, yeah. And the other, you know, this whole, whether you're managing kids and their various activities and, you know, things that are needed, or whether you're like trying to do a home project, you know, Rhonda, I know you've done some amazing, your garden and all, and I just need a, I was finding myself with those things. Like those are like second-class citizens, but for a personal, like well-being point of view, I want to make those a priority too. So I sort of want everything on the same list. And I think it's, uh, it's been good so far. So that's where I am. I'm really interested so in watching and learning from you. I think the, because of having somewhere to put more of the personal, but the one reluctance I have is about adding something I have to physically carry. And so that's the one holdback. So I'm really curious about that and what that will look like. But I have a journal that I use for work when we conference that I write notes in and conference notes in. And so I have those through the years, but I'm just that when you, when you, you described it and I looked at it after you told me that Bridget and Bridget sent that, I was like, oh, that looks really interesting and to try. And I thought, but do I want to commit to carrying something? I don't know. So I'm going to keep waiting for more feedback. And, and I haven't even gone down the thinking road of, well, what if I lost it and what's all in there and should I be taking pictures? I'm, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to try to keep track of it. And I figure, well, I don't lose my knock on wood, my iPad or my phone. So maybe if I just keep them all together, that'll be the way I keep track of everything, but it's a work in progress. So thanks for, thanks to the two of you for helping me work through my sort of self self-improvement's probably not the right way of saying it, but I just, I think you can get better at this and free up more time, uh, or at least brain space for, you know, the really important work we do, which we talk about all the time, but now it is time for the lightning round. We will continue our theme of getting organized with a polite nod, the organization gurus at the home edit, which we've kind of referred to a couple of times. So we'll answer these questions in alphabetical state order, Arkansas, Michigan, and then West Virginia. Lightning round question one, have you incorporated any of the suggestions from the home edit in your pantry? I'm not going to be good um, about answering these short. This is Rhonda. So I have bought all their little plastic bins. And so it's fascinating we use a lot of protein bars. So I, we now have bins for all the different like flavors of protein bars and fruit and raisins and snacks. That looks fabulous. And you walk in your pantry and it's like, oh, and everything's organized and you know what you need to buy. I cannot get do the little containers of sugar and you dump your cereal in containers and all of that. Maybe they'll answer it someday, but they still have not told the viewers how you know when something's expired. If you dump the whole sugar in a container, like how do you know the expiration date? It freaks me out. So I can't do that. 
wait, does sugar expire? Yes. Oh, crap. Really? Yeah. Sugar, <laughs> flour, all that. So when you put it in a container, it's like, how do you know? How do you know? My sugar's in one of those containers and it's probably expired and yes. I don't know. Yes. So anyway, I can't do that. I mean, I putting like protein bars, like they'll still have their date on them. Putting like raisins, they'll still have their date on them. But they dump like chocolate chips in containers and all that stuff. It's like, how do you know? <laughs> well, all right. Beth's crying on here. For all right, the, for all right. Listening. Beth, Beth I don't know how you, from I don't know how you follow that, Bridget. So, <laughs> I, so yeah, Bridget, I mean, you do that? My sugar and my sugar, my flour, and all those things are in those containers. And now I feel like I have to go home and throw them all away. I mean, I'm I, I this is not great. This is really, really not great. But I guess I appreciate having learned this this morning because I do think Rhonda's right. This is not good. My home pantry looks pretty organized, as do all of my home cupboards. I love a label maker, and my I I will label you if you come into my house. Like. Everything gets labeled. People mock me because they open the cupboards and they're like, yeah, we know the coffee cups go there because the coffee cups are there. Why did you have to label it coffee cups? But I love me a label maker and literally will label you if you come to my house. <laughs> but now I'm going to throw away my sugar. How about you, Beth? So I'm in the process. I haven't, you know, I buy them sort of in, in occasionally and I add something to it. It's not rainbow organized, but there is a nice feeling of walking in and seeing that. But I did pose this, this expiration date question to my sister who is way more organized than I am. And she said that the home edit actually does have a solution for this. You cut out the little expiration date from the package of the sugar and you tape it on the lid and then you'll know whatever's in there. That's the expiration date. So that is, yeah. and now you could also probably make a label <laughs> as the expiration date. But that's I think, like, I think that's like two or three more steps, but then you I, can no, never I'm not combine. saying it's perfect. I'm just giving you an option. But then you couldn't um, combine sugar on top of sugar. If you're running low, you have to use the whole thing to the bottom, right? Well, how are you going to do that anyway? Well, I mean, or maybe you're not. I don't know. I, I think that they may need to come on and help us at some point. But anyway, well, it's maybe just, we can send them perfect. this podcast and they will feel okay. sorry for us. Okay. And and come and help us. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> out of the frying pan into the fire. Do you organize the clothing in your closet by colors, by season, or some other way? So mine is organized by. So it's work clothes and then casual clothes, but then they're all by colors. So I have like a black t-shirt section, like a white t-shirt section. And then yeah, work, it's like my black blazers. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of color going on, but yes, it's by it's by the type of where what I wear it to and then by color. What about you, Bridget? So mine's um, seasonal in the sense that I swap my clothes out in the fall and the winter. So I have, you know, uh, and I just did that last week for, for I, even though it's cold again in Michigan today, I'm ignoring that and we're moving to spring, summer clothing. And then it's by item of clothing. I have dresses, then I have pants, then I have jackets, mm-hmm. then I have skirts, then I have long sleeve um, sweaters, blouses, short sleeves, sweaters, blouses. Um, so that's the way I do it. Not, not by color, but color actually does kind of sound smart. So I might add that layer into it. How about you, Cuba? 
So I'm with you. Current practice, it's by type of item. You know, the skirts are together, the pants are together. The casual pants are, you know, separate, but right next to the work pants. I don't, for whatever reason, that makes sense for me. I also spend time in two different places. So there's a little section in the closet where I need to remember to take something to the other place. So there's kind of that, like, where are the shoes? Where is your stuff? But I I have it separated, work, casual. And like you, Bridget, I also sort of switch things out, you know, twice a year. And the one thing I did incorporate from Marie Kondo Mm -hmm. is I try when I'm doing that switch is to like hold everything and say, Mm -hmm. you know, am I still wearing this? Or do I thank it for its dedicated service to my wardrobe and give it, put it in the Goodwill pile. So I did, I do try to do that at the season change to keep things Can from I getting say, overwhelming. Having it by color, it's like when you see all the black t-shirts you have, it makes you really think about, do I really need another black t-shirt? So now I think about if I buy one, then one has to go just another home because I clearly have a whole row of them. So next is shoes. Do you store your shoes in boxes or out of boxes? And we know what the home edit people have said about this. Arkansas. Yeah, this is kind of embarrassing. When we, we built our house like eight years ago, my one request, we I have a shoe closet. Uh, so it's about maybe eight feet by 10 feet. It's a shoe closet. So, and it has its own door. So I think they're all safely in there. It's, you know, shelves and they're in their nice little home organized by color. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't hate you. We love it actually. (laughs) And you do have great shoes. I mean, let's, let's, let's admit it. Thank you. But yeah, they have their own happy home and it's right near the garage. So I can just grab them as I leave. And yeah, so I was a little spoiled with my shoe closet. My shoes could probably benefit from some organization. I do not keep them in boxes. I have two shelves at the bottom of my closet under the side where I have short sleeved, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, where I have, you know, blouses and shirts and skirts, things that don't hang down very far. And I, and they're completely full and I probably could get rid of half of them because I'm not really wearing them anymore. Beth, give me some advice. So I was in shoeboxes until very, very recently because I thought, well, it tells you exactly what it is mm-hmm. and I can just look at the box and I, you know, whatever, and they're kind of different colors. So it was kind of festive, but I took my shoes out of the boxes and I have them. I got little extra shelves so that they can all sit next to one another. They're not, they're kind of by, they're kind of like my clothes. They're kind of by I type, like the pumps are together and the casual shoes are together and the boots are together. So I did take my shoes out of boxes. So I guess I'm making progress, but I also realized recently that I have too many shoes. So I've been trying to not buy shoes because like you and the black t-shirts, Rhonda, when you look at them, you say, this is just a lot, but with your, I guess with your shoe closet, you don't have to look at it. I mean, you just in and out, grab your shoes. So we're inspired by your shoe closet, frankly. I'm telling you, if you have a whole closet, just redo it and make it into one. Just, but then there's, a, there, there's a solid takeaway for today. <laughs> and then our last <laughs> question that I know will get kicked off very ably by our friend. How about books? We all love our books. How do you organize your books at home? By topic, author, Dewey Decimal System, color, or some other way? 
Rhonda. Mine are closer to Dewey Decimal System, except <laughs> by kind of within the sort of nonfiction, we separate them a little bit different than Dewey. So we'll like within the biographies, we do them by um, topics. So we'll have like, we have Supreme Court justices and then we have presidents and then we have like military biographies. And so like, this is how enlivened our and interesting my husband and I are like we fight I was thinking about this we fought over the biography of Grant because I wanted him in the president biography section and my husband wanted him in the military biography section we just had a you know it was a terrible night in the Wood family house but what was the who won what was the outcome I put him in the mil, I put him in the president and then my husband I'm sure now he's probably in the military when I'm not looking so who knows but but yeah, so we're more dewy <laughs> and we're really nerdy. <laughs> so I have a scandalous answer to this question for somebody who likes to label people that come into my house with my label maker. Yeah. Our books are really not very well organized. Oh, no. They're just not. They're, I mean, they are like roughly organized by category. There's, you know, sort of, that's about it. I mean, they really could use some real organization. That. That is one of those things that I keep thinking, like, I want to turn to that when I have that down period in my schedule that I need to write into my bullet journal because the down period never turns up. But what should I do when I get that down period, Beth? How do you do it? So I am not as organized as Rhonda, nor did I expect to be, frankly. I am, my husband organizes them. I just outsource it. And however he wants to have them organized is really fine with me. It's not dewy. It's definitely not colors. And I'm not sure I'm pro colors. I, I mean, I think I can, I can see it with clothes. I can see it even in the pantry, but I think books need to be with books. If you care that are related to one another, whether it's by author or whatever, or whatever, but I do trust Mr. Walker's judgment on books because it's just one less thing for me. I don't feel strongly enough about it. I feel like Bridget, we could do like a home swap and you yeah. could become label maker label for me and I would happily organize your books. Uh, honestly, I'm going to pitch that TV show. I'm going to LA <laughs> this week. Um, I'm going to pitch. It. I, think, I think we could have like judicial edition of the home edit okay. somehow. I, I really think there's, there's opportunity there. And, and I hate to say our pool is open, Bridget, weatherwise. So <laughs> that, yeah, home, I'm coming. that yeah. home swap may be real appealing. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like a road trip or something. Well, I hope all of you listening, if you made it this far in this episode, which had very little to do with the law or running uh, a state judiciary, but we did, I hope you had as much fun listening as we did recording uh, another episode of our beloved podcast, Lady Justice Women of the Court. We'll be back again soon, but in the meantime, please check us out on social media and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening to Lady Justice, Women of the Court. To learn more about this podcast, access past episodes, or find links to our social media, visit ladyjusticepod.com. You can also record a voice message with a question or comment. Remember, the opinions expressed on the program are the justices alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their respective courts. Until next time.